Hey everybody, Donnie Turner here with the Buying Tampa Bay Podcast, joined with my two podcast hosts, Peter Murphy. Hey guys. And Chase Clark. Hey, what's going on? And we're sort of, I don't know if we'd say we're rounding out, but basically uh, rounding out, completing our, our, our nuts and bolts series with the big question. You know, we're, we've talked a lot about the um, intricacies and the complexities that comes to being a landlord and managing properties. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to put it on Zillow, collect my rent check, and then have a great time. But that's generally um, not the truth. You know, a lot of investment gurus, they get up on stage and they preach the idea of passive income. I'm sure we've all heard of that. Passive income in real estate. They're like mailbox money. You know, all you have to do is just market your property, buy it, and then you're, boom, you're a millionaire. You're, uh, <laughs> you're one of the guys on HGTV, just racking in the millions. But, you know, that's almost 100% of the time not the case. But, and I'm sure we'll get into the in this episode, and in my opinion, I think you know, there's no such thing as passivity in any business, especially real estate, but hiring a property manager and being able to manage a manager is probably um, the closest step that you could take. So let's roll it right into it, guys. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, being a new landlord. Why would they consider hiring a property manager to begin with? Well, I've got a riff on your, uh, in your passive income comments real quick. That's funny one, you know? Yeah, so my dad, I don't know how many other dads were in like different kinds of uh, multi-level marketing when they were, you know, when, when I was a kid. And that's what they always sold, right? This would be passive income. Like you're going to sit in your boxers on your couch. You're going to make money. You know, it's going to be flowing in from all your legs, right? And Yeah, so I hear real estate. I go to real estate seminars and that's the promoted uh, concept too. This is passive and you just sit around and your rent money is going to roll on in and uh, it's like an ATM. It just spits it out every month, you know. I do think there are some people who reach the point of being passive within their, uh, their uh, real estate portfolio, but that's because they've built fantastic systems for themselves that do the work for them. Someone is not passive, and just because the owner might be, that doesn't mean their system is passive. That doesn't mean things are just working like clockwork automatically. It takes a lot of work to get to that point. You've got to put together the right system and structure to make it truly passive. And a property manager, of course, is a big, big part of that. But even with a fantastic property manager, things aren't totally passive. I do agree, Donnie. That's one of those, you know, far overstated concepts. You're always going to be involved in some capacity or other with your real estate investment. Yeah, and I'll I'll echo that. I'd say for all of you young, young people out there thinking about a career in real estate or getting into real estate investing, uh, the book is out there, The 4-Hour Work Week. And when that, first, that book first came out, Peter and I were in the middle of growing our business. And we were probably working, instead of four hours a week, probably 400 hours a week, if that was possible, to get that done. There is a direct correlation between the amount of work that you put into something and the level of success you will achieve. So if you're out there aspiring to be completely passive and to enjoy this so-called four-hour work week, it's possible, but not likely. So dig in, work hard, be active. I think that, that is one thing to consider no matter what you're starting, but especially in real estate. Uh, you've got to be actively involved no matter what's going on. No, I like that. I mean, to continue to riff on that, I know that we have an agenda and I want to get to it, but really quick, 
You know, um, coming from the franchise world, a lot of people will ask me questions like, so why join a franchise? Why pay these exorbitant franchise fees, etc.? But the reality is starting a new business from the ground up is incredibly hard. You know, one of the big things that you're paying for is the systems and the processes and, you know, the brand loyalty, etc. So I think, you know, being a brand new landlord, right, you don't know the system, systems, you don't know the processes, you don't have a brand, you're, you're just, you know, Joe Schmo trying to rent out property. But using the leverage, just like in a franchise model, using the McDonald's leverage to instantly gain credibility in a community and to have the systems and the processes to be able to start a business from the ground up, um, you know, to be able to leverage, lever a property manager, it's very similar, right? Because now right, you're buying you know, into a business, yeah. Having a partner is so important. I mean, you've got a partner in the franchise world in the, in the corporate side, right? Uh, I've had a partner with Peter for years, and that's been critically important to our success, but if you're if you're an individual out there trying to get started in your real estate career or starting in real estate investing, having a property management partner along with several other partners is critical to your success early on. Yeah, hey, definitely. Well, Chase, you know, you mentioned just recently. So, you know, becoming a real estate investor, especially in the beginning, you have to be active. You have to get in there. So. Can we talk a little bit about that? So what is it like going at it alone, you know, just trying to jump into this business feet first? Well, so many people start out, I think, as you mentioned, or someone mentioned earlier, uh, going to seminars, uh, taking online education, watching videos, learning from some guru about how they're going to do the real estate business. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of good stuff out there and a lot of good ways to get educated but a lot of these people do promote a go-it-alone methodology. Um, they they want to feel like they can be your resource. They can educate you completely on how to buy property, how to manage property, how to dispose of property, how to do the whole you know, real estate cycle without involving too many people. Um, you're going to need to involve someone at some point because they also preach this idea of using other people's money and, and that becomes your critical partner most of the time in those education processes. But quite often they view the property manager um, as someone who is there if you need them, but not necessarily necessary to your success. Someone that is a cost to your bottom line and maybe not always worth it, you know. And, and so I think um, that's one perspective, at least, that is quite often propagated within the property management or within the real estate investing education world that's available online and through these seminars. And so a lot of guys, you know, especially people that they get started in real estate, they're kind of entrepreneurial anyway. They've kind of, you know, been accustomed to, or they've got a mentality of plowing their own road. Hmm. And this is somewhat of an adventure for them maybe, you know, and they want to set out on their own. They want to figure it out on their own. They want to prove to themselves that they can be successful on their own and that they can do it soup to nuts. And, um, you know, they probably feel like it's not that hard. You know, how hard is it to collect rent? How hard is it to find somebody to live in an apartment or a house? You know, that's easy stuff. You know, everybody needs a house these days. You know, the market's awesome. Um, But it's not always awesome. And there are a lot of things we'll talk about a little bit later in this podcast that could trip you up. And uh, so starting out fresh going to the loan, you know, there's some, there's some pitfalls and some pain points there that, uh, that you'll see as we progress through this pod. 
You know, what Chase just talked about there, guys, it's probably the thing that keeps the majority of people that aren't like the profile Chase just described out of real estate investing. Because, you know, Chase described a type of entrepreneurial uh, demeanor, uh, a risk uh, tolerance factor that's very typical for entrepreneurs. But that's a very small fraction of the marketplace, people who are like that, even people who are, who are cashed. Uh, and so, you know, those who are not like that find themselves looking at the real estate industry and thinking, I could never do that. It requires way too much risk tolerance. I've got to, if there's too much uncertainty, there's too much adventure. I don't have the time to do all of this sort of stuff. I've got a full-time job. So they're going to take all their investable capital and they're going to give it to an industry that uses managers of money very well and has a long history of that. And that's the financial services industry. They're going to find a stockbroker. They're going to find a money manager, a mutual fund manager. They're going to give the money over to them. And you know what those guys are? They're property managers for investments, for equities. And everyone has an established trust built with that concept because that's a very dense and deep marketplace of providers of that service. But for some reason, they don't think that exists in the housing sector. And so they stay out of it because going into real estate means I have to go it alone. And of course, this episode to some degree says you don't have to go it alone. There's a gigantic network and some of which we belong to and we helped create in this region of very talented managers of real estate assets who can do go a long way toward making your investments passive. But even in your equities, even in your cash investments, you're not passive there really either. If you want to you got to be involved in the concepts. You got to know what your financial advisors are doing in order to really keep a, have a good handle on your investments. So we're still not talking passive investment, but we are talking about the fact that the financial services market has a well-established network of managers that everyone seems to have adopted regularly. We want to encourage and build property managers to help your real estate investments perform with the same level of professionalism as your equities. And, that's, and that is going to open this sector up to anyone who wants to participate, whether you're highly risk tolerant or not. No, that's great. You know, I think we're quickly realizing that we have a lot to say about this topic and we're, we're quickly uh, veering off the road, but I love it. You know, um, to speak on what you just said, Peter, I think that's I think that's exactly true. And I think, you know, there could be, in my opinion, passivity to a fault, you know, um, yeah, if you if you hand all your money, you hand all your resources, and you put it into an index fund, etc. You know, you you have full passivity, but you also have zero control, right? If the market goes down, there goes your entire nest egg. Um, and yep. then we can we can see in real estate as well that there is a form of control, and even the the big guys on Wall Street are are realizing that. You can look at Invitation Homes, American Homes for Rent, etc. They they understand that real estate is an incredible asset class. And I think it's one of the few industries where the mom and pop can still survive and thrive. You know, you can become a stock picker and you could try to beat the market and choose your own stocks and be your own money manager. But if you're not in it 24 seven, you're probably going to get crushed. And in, in real estate, I would argue that's not necessarily the case. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to um, know the market's, and monitor them 24-7 and have the stock picks and everything else. And we, we could get into that, but <laughs> would you guys agree? Yeah, I think so. You know, Donnie, honestly, that 
there are there are experienced landlords out there too who have a lot of experience managing properties on their own and they think they know how to do it and many of them do they're very competent and they have established systems of people that help them manage their properties but what we've encountered as we look at self-managers who are experienced people who manage their own real estate investments but they're experienced in that is that they have a way of doing things that's kind of their way Right. But it doesn't necessarily consider the broad marketplace spectrum of of guys like us and other property managers who immerse themselves heavily in understanding all the available uh, resources and tools and options that are available for real estate investments. And so uh, they they also have a bias, perhaps, that they don't want to pay the extra money out of what's already a very uh, a very tight profit margin from their rentals to pay for a property manager. They think that might be too expensive. And they, necess- they might not necessarily have a good understanding of just how much money a property manager can help them make or preserve with the kind of best practices they bring to the table. So, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you're the guy who's always done it by yourself, well, let's throw a couple of, of interesting points your way to consider because using a property manager might really help you avail of some of our greater knowledge and even our economies of scale to help increase your profit margins. Yeah. And one thing to add to that is, you know, for a lot of people that are experienced landlords, experience can water down your perception of risk. Uh, if you've done this for years and you've, you've gotten by and you've been somewhat of a success, um, you may feel like the risks that are on the table aren't necessarily going to impact you in the same way they might impact other people. And that's an easy mentality to adopt and a perception that is common with people that have a lot of experience doing one particular thing. But experience never mitigates risk. In fact, sometimes experience increases your level of risk in reality when you think it's actually going down or disappearing from your equation. And so that's just one area that I think that um, – from a mindset with experienced investors, property managers can fill that gap for them and truly help them mitigate the growing level of risk that comes with having having years of experience in the business and thinking that it's actually not there anymore. No, yeah, that's great. I mean, I think we've all rented from that guy, right? Um, <laughs> who was, you know, he's been he's been owning property and he's been renting it since the seventies. You know, he drives that old Chevy truck. He he pulls up in the denim overalls. And he's the maintenance man. He's the listing man. He's the listing man. Uh, excuse me. He's a listing agent. He's, you know, yeah, he's everything in one. And he's been doing it the exact same way. And, you know, frankly, I mean, there might be some things that he's doing that he thinks, um, at least maybe they were legal back in the 70s, but he's still doing it the same way in 2022. And he's not going to change. And as a matter of fact, if you're going to pay your rent, it has to be check, money, order, or cash. And, yeah, right. And envelope with cash. And if right? you don't wear the right perfume or cologne, he's going to deny your application, right? That's exactly and that's right. Uh, how that works back in the day. Oh, it's risky. It's a risky proposition. And if you're that guy, I know you've been doing it really well for a long time. But just think about one small aspect of the rental market, and that is how payments are made. That industry has evolved so rapidly in the last 10 years. From the, you know When we first started doing it, it was you pay via money order, right? You, we would accept checks way back in the day. We'd accept wads of cash. Nobody does that anymore. Not at any price point of the housing market are you obligated to accept a wad of cash or a personal check. Not in the lowest demographic of housing is that an acceptable standard of payment anymore. You might not be aware of that because you know, you've been doing it your way for a long time. 
we've had the chance to experiment with all different types of payment mechanisms and be exposed to the, the wider market source of knowledge on that. And what we've determined is that even the lowest income of residents have access to smartphones and credit cards and technologies and all kinds of established vendors now, Walmart, Western Union, 7-Eleven's uh, integration with uh, Seven Union, uh, Western Union, excuse me, have created payment mechanisms for rents so that you never have to accept a single dollar of cash anymore, right? And those, those systems are available, but they're usually available to people who offer this business at scale the way property managers do. They might not be available to people who do it at smaller scale, simply because you don't have the softwares, you don't have the, re- the uh, industry reputation, uh, to to make that work yet. Well, just think about how much risk that defrays. If you're not having to take up cash anymore, if you can use the money order institutions on your street corner to, to seamlessly wire funds into your bank account, think about how that would just ease your cash processing system if you could avail of that. So that's one system where we think property management in the year 2022 has left behind the property manager in overalls. Yeah, time is money and efficiency has become, you know, the buzzword in all things, especially in asset management, um, driving people all over the place to collect money, having to process money, having to process payments to vendors, write checks, sign checks, go to the bank, make deposits, all that stuff. That all costs a lot of money. And getting away from that and getting into these more efficient processes that utilize technology have been fantastic over the past 10, 12 years as they've rolled out. Um, and I know some of you out there now are saying, well, you know, I've been doing this for 20, 30 years and I like taking cash because guess who doesn't know about that? The IRS, right? It's my little under the table, you know, I skim off the revenue a little bit because my tenant pays me cash every now and then. I only, maybe I only report 50% of it. Well, let me tell you about this. Uh, on your Schedule E that you'll file with the IRS, they look at that property address and they look and see what the average market rent is for a property like that in that zip code. And they expect to see that kind of revenue if you tell them you rented it for 12 months. So just be aware there's people watching. Yeah. Without a doubt there are, I mean, boy, you can maybe get away with something like that for a short amount of time, but the cost of exposure or a failure is just so stratospherically high that if you're, if you're in that category you know, how we'd like to approach the business is, is that God rewards and blesses people who do things the right way. And that, you know, maybe there's a cost associated with it and you're paying taxes now to Caesar. Whole episode on that. Tune into that one. You've got a lot of taxes to pay. <laughs> when you pay your taxes, you do things the right way. Generally speaking, your business thrives and grows. That's just what we've seen time and time again. And boy, you can sleep well at night too when that's the case. So man, do things the right way. And, you know, here's another system. I just can't, I can't go on without making sure everyone understands the value of this one. If you're still showing your own properties, you must be aware the whole sector has moved away from that function. And it was driven largely by COVID, but it existed pre-COVID too. So we've had years now of technology and experience with tenants directing their own showings at properties. And what that is, is that's a, le- that's a lockbox that, exi- that it sits on your property door where a tenant can interact with a web connection with that lockbox, receive a showing code 
provide, of course, the verification that you need to know that there's a, a real person at your door wanting to see your property who can actually afford to rent the home. And it will issue them a code and they can get into that property on their own time. So you don't have to drive across town to show them that house. And they can tour it themselves and they can just they can talk about it all they want without you being there. And they can leave and lock up. And that happens hundreds of times a day all throughout our market. And there's almost no incidence of loss related with that wonderful service, that flexible service for your prospects, that flexible service for you comes at a really low cost and almost no loss experience. So if you're not doing that and you're going to your own showings all the time still, imagine how much extra time you could have if you're not having to, to do all your showings on your own. These are systems that are available to property managers right now, which you should be using. Yeah, shout out to uh, Show Mojo on that, right? I mean, we've been using them for what, 12, 12 years now, maybe? Yeah. Um, fantastic software that, that does all that for you. And, and to, to kind of round out this, this pain point you know, topic we're on right now, how many times have you guys out there who are our property managers, how many times has someone come up to you who's going it alone and said, hey, man, you got a plumber I can use? You know, I need a handyman. You got a good lawn service, you got a roofer, you know, or hey, I got this bid, you know, what do you think about this? You know, is this bid good? And they're coming to you because you're the expert. You're the property manager who deals with plumbers and electricians and roofers and sees dozens of estimates for things and works through, you know, dozens of problems every month that require technical experts to come in and help you solve them. Like all these trades that everybody always needs to find. And they trust you because they know you, right? They're not going out to Angie. They're not going out to, you know, the internet. They're not going to Google Maps to look for the one closest to their house all the time. They're coming to you because they know you have a Rolodex of really good trades and that you're always looking for the provider in that trade that does the best job at the best price. And that's our competitive advantage as a property manager. Normal people and small investors going it alone don't deal with this kind of stuff on a daily basis like we do. And so we do vet through these databases. We have the best vendors that do the best work at the best prices that are actually available to get to a job when it needs to be done. And that is a priceless resource that is only found with a property manager. No, I love it. Good points, guys. Great points, honestly. I mean, um, just bringing it back to like the business world, you know, we used to joke like, you know, you, you walk on a job site and you just see a laundry list of OSHA violations, you know, and you're just shaking your head. I'm sure everybody's been through that or even, yeah, you know, just gone through, um, you know, a restaurant and you're like, oh, wow, this isn't this is not passing health inspection, but the food's good now. <laughs> but um, all that to say that it's not an if, but it's a when. And just like you said, I mean, the leverage that it brings to using professional property management, making sure that all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. I mean, we talked about fair housing um, regulations. We talked about taxes, making sure you're on top of all that. I mean, these are, you know, these are the ABC government bodies that will take you down because, you know, they're, they're very much incentivized to. And that's their entire job and reason for existence is to make sure that people are... Um, doing this business correctly. So if you're, if you're hiding and you're, you know, <laughs> I would highly recommend to, um, to make sure that you're, you're on it. Right. Yeah. The, the, the laws just change too much. Right. And it's, 
you know, COVID exists. And so the COVID, the post-COVID housing market has led to robust rent rate increases, a really rapid one. So 20% a year rent rate increases. And that's resulted in a bunch of complaints, as you could imagine, from renters to uh, the governing authority. Like affordability of housing is out of control and I can't afford to put food on my table and feed my kids if my rent goes up 20% a year. And so what do the local municipalities do? Well, they pass what are the beginnings of rent control laws. And uh, that's really what we're dealing with right now. And those rent control laws include things like the notifications if your rent rate is going to go up uh, more than 10%. And, the, and the, the required notification 60 days out for your renters of that pending adjustment to their rent prices. That's just the first step, guys. The government is the local governments are not going to stop with their attempts to try and uh, control rents, especially as our market continues to improve, which it will in the years ahead, whether we're looking at a house softening or not, a market softening or not. And so did you know all of that? Were you the you were you yourself present at those municipal hearings advocating for your position as a landlord? The housing market was present there. Property managers and the and the govern and the bodies that represent us, our trade associations, were present there negotiating for our interests. It would have been much worse if we weren't. But the day that that legislation, that adjusted legislation, passed, we knew, and we were informing our owners and our property managers, and our council was informing us of what this meant for three day notices and the evictions process, because it's all tied up there together. And again, that's the advantage of of having the kind of scale of operation that a property manager uh, has. And if you're concerned about the 6% in cost that it will cost us to do that, well, just imagine the devouring effects of a fair housing violation on your profit margin. It's going to be well more than the 6% cost that you're paying someone like us to keep up with those sorts of changes. Yeah, you know, you you highlighted about trade associations, and I, I want to bring up here even about licensure, because one of the critical things in the state of Florida is that you've got to be a licensed realtor to manage properties for other people. And you may think, oh, well, you know, realtors are a dime a dozen, you know, it's easy to get a real estate license and all of that. Well, that's true in some regard, but it does give you accountability. It gives you education, it gives you accountability, and it gives you a network of people to help you stay on top of all of these things that Peter was just talking about, new laws, new regulations, all of this, as well as that lobbying capability. The the lobbying capability of the National Association of Realtors is tremendous. We get these legal updates uh, emailed out to us on a monthly or quarterly basis to talk about what they're doing in Congress to help shape real estate laws, what they're doing in Tallahassee here in the state of Florida to help, help shape real estate laws. Uh, Many of us are members of an organization called NARPM, which is the National Association of Residential Property Managers. It's a national association headquartered near Washington, D.C. that has tremendous lobbying power for owners, for landlords, for property managers, and has our interest in mind. And so we're members of that organization. Um, That organization provides a tremendous amount of continuing education, seminars, conferences, all kinds of things that professional property managers attend in order to stay on the cutting edge of this industry and to help provide landlords top-notch service, but also keep them out of trouble with compliance and regulatory issues that could pop up. And so 
the protection you get from a professional property manager looking out for your interests and protecting you from liability is enormous. Well beyond, like Peter mentioned, let's just say 6% of your collected rents every month. No, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think 6% of the peace of mind of knowing that you're doing everything legally, I mean, that's more than worth it. But, I mean, that 6% does get you even more. I mean, let's keep going into that. So, uh, for instance, the technology that professional property management um, companies use. Let's talk a little bit about that, the advantages of that. Yeah, the, the technologies are just wonderful, and they're integrated. They're growing all the time. They address all the major aspects of of owning a real estate investment and they tie it all together in a fairly neat package and they back it up with fantastic reporting on the back end so that you truly know what your investment's doing. It's not just your own created Excel spreadsheet anymore. You know, you've talked about putting all of that on steroids and then adding to that spreadsheet capability, that reporting capability that you love. You're adding rent collection. You're adding maintenance management and coordination. You're adding all kinds of of processes related to marketing that property and the self-showing aspects that we discussed. These kinds of software come in and they change our lives, right? They change your life as an, as an investment owner. And you're spending so little time now on report prep. You're just making sure your data is in the system correctly. That's what we're doing for you, right? You're reviewing your reports instead of building your reports. You, uh, and all of these things are available through the property management systems. We've used Propertyware for a long time. Uh, to manage our properties and the properties of our clients. And we think that's one of the industry-leading software platforms out there. Um, but there are others. And there are others that you know other property management companies use that work very well. And, and many of these are providing for the needs of the industry in a very sophisticated fashion. And so uh, once you have, but, but, and they're really a little bit out of reach for the small landlord. So they, but they provide this kind of service and functionality for the property manager, which we can then extend to you as a part of our fee basis. And it's just truly wonderful. Yeah, because the cost for a lot of these uh, technologies uh, only becomes efficient with, with economies of scale. And so if you're managing one, two, three properties, you can't afford a property wear subscription that starts at $350 a month. It just wouldn't make sense for you. And so you can't really take advantage of all the things that that provides. You could go out there and piecemeal a couple things together and subscribe to seven or eight different softwares that do all these things in a disjointed way, but nothing like the benefit you'd get from having a property manager with a comprehensive piece of software like that. And one of the things from a technology standpoint that is critically important, other than the security and liability protection that comes with things like e-payment processing with e-signature um, identity verification um, is the tenant screening process. And another thing that I have people come to me all the time because they know I'm a property manager and they ask me, okay, hey, I'm renting out my in-law suite in my house. You know, can you screen this person for me to make sure that they're not going to murder me in the middle of the night? Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I can, you know, unless they do my application, they agree to my terms and conditions, they pay my application fee, then yeah, I can do that for you. And they're like, oh, there's got to be an easier way. I'm like, there's an easier way, but it's probably not robust. It's probably not thorough. And there may be some gaps there. And so um, screening is one of the linchpins of the whole process, because if you put the wrong tenant in the property, you're going to have a bad experience. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. 
and more than likely it's going to end in a bad experience and in a possible eviction. And so what's available out there inside of an integrated platform like Propertyware is a robust screening process for all prospects that looks at criminal history, credit, um, and it gives an AI score based on other rental experiences that person has had um, in the network in which Propertyware operates. And in addition to that, your property manager will do like a verification of rent for you. They'll talk to their landlord. They'll talk to references. They'll verify their employment through an official HR office, not through someone on a phone phone call that we don't know who it is. We're going to actually talk to their employer and verify that they actually have the job that they've stated they have. We're going to look at bank statements if needed. We're going to look at tax returns. We know what tax returns and bank statements look like and what you should be looking for in those documents in order to ensure that this tenant is qualified for your property. And so that's just one critical process that we use both technology and our knowledge and experience as professional property managers to help protect your asset and protect your income you're deriving from it. That's a great one, Chase. Uh, it's so important. You know, there's another one that I, I really think is, is uh, probably understated in terms of its value. You know, every landlord, you know, if you're a good person, right, you, there is a social element behind what we do, right? We're providing housing for people and we want to see people live in our homes and live happy and fruitful lives in them. We want to make our homes affordable to a degree, right? We want to make money. We want to be affordable and, uh, you know, we want to give people comfort. And that we want to respond to their maintenance requests. But boy, have we seen a lot of cases where those genuinely good instincts have led to very bad outcomes. I think of all the landlords that I know that rent their properties for so substantially less than they should be renting them for. Because they're just simply not aware of where the market pricing (laughs) is. And particularly on renewals, that's the case. They're renewing their properties at a small three to 5% increase because it's what they've always done. But the market has run way ahead of them and is renewing substantially higher than that. But they're good people, right? And they're not really keeping up on the progress of the uh, rent rate renewals. And they're sensitive to the fact that they've got someone they built a relationship living with in their home. A property manager can give you some social distance there. To be able to have that conversation, it's a little bit of a challenging conversation with your renter and tell them that you're sorry, but the market has moved and rents are up and we've got to pass along a good chunk of that rent increase to you. We can still be sensitive and gentle, but that's a much easier conversation to have when you don't have a close relationship with your renters. And so many landlords do. Similarly, that renter who calls you and complains about something not working in their home, but clearly in your lease, it indicates that that something is their responsibility, the tenant's responsibility to fix. Well, it's so much easier to give that conversation to a property manager to have. Let the co- property manager have that tough conversation with the renter and push back to make them do the repair or make them pay for that repair. If you're the landlord and that's someone you've known for a long time, you might find yourself reluctant to have that conversation. We can take that social obligation off your shoulders and your prop, your portfolio becomes much more profitable as a result. Peter, I like that you brought up the, um, you know, the social expectations, social obligation. I think um, we've been talking a lot about the owners, you know, how we face the owners. But think about how um, tenant facing as well, right? Because 
you know, if the owner, you know, doesn't have that social distance with the tenant, the tenant, you know, I think, you know, as human beings, we're sort of expecting creatures, right? So if, if I know them personally, you know, then yeah, maybe I could be late on my rent 10 days every single month because I know the guy, I mean, it's, it's great, but at the same, but on, on the flip side of that, if they know they're dealing with a professional management company, they're, and there's a professional expectation, I think most people will meet that expectation, right? They yes, know, okay, I, these guys, yeah, go ahead. Yes, absolutely. You know, they, I've heard it said paradise is a walled garden, right? It's not total freedom to do whatever you want to do. It's rules and constraints. And that's what makes our relationships with one another, certainly our relationships as landlords and tenants, operate smoothly is that we all understand what our obligations and responsibilities are. We find that landlords, good guys, many of them, guys and gals, many of them, don't, aren't good at communicating what the expectations are of each party, what roles and responsibilities are. Can you imagine how many renters we've had to move into properties? And so one of the things we've learned is you must orient the renter to their responsibilities within the lease and what, what is their job and what is our job and where they should not expect us to yield, such as when rent is due or what repair items might be required. And so all of these things are things that we who you know, don't have a strong relationship with that renter are able to do for you. And it just results in such a smoother process. Yeah. And, and on that front, you know, imagine you've got a full-time job, which most of you real estate investors have, and you're sitting at your desk or you're sitting in a meeting, or you're on a conference call, or maybe you're recording a podcast like this uh, for something at work and your phone's blowing up, you know, your tenant's got a problem right? The, uh, all the light bulbs are out in the bathroom. Don't know why, right? Or the toilet's backing up or some other issue that's going on. Your phone is blowing up, right? Your blood pressure is rising. Your stress <laughs> level is going up. You can't break away. Your boss is sitting right there. You're on video right now. You can't take a call. You can't return a text. And the tenant keeps calling and calling and calling and calling. And Thank goodness it's at, you know, 1130 in the morning. It's not at 2 a.m., right? Because that happens too. But not to paint a doomsday picture, but you know what I'm talking about. If you're one of these landlords doing it yourself, you have experienced this. It's not pleasant. And because your blood pressure's up and your stress level's high, you're less likely to handle the tenant the way that they should be handled per the lease. You're less likely to enforce the regulations, maybe. You're less likely to have on the top of your mind what that tenant's obligation is in this situation. You just want the problem gone. That's going to cost you time and money. And that's something that we handle a little bit better because we're not in that conference call. We're not sitting across the table from our boss. We're doing this all day long. And there's a lot to be said for that because we pay for ourselves as property managers 10 times over every month when we manage your property effectively and efficiently in that manner. Yeah. I mean, who would believe that there's crazy people out there that actually enjoy doing this, that want <laughs> to take that burden off your back, please people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I agree hundred percent. I mean, to, to go back to how we entered this conversation about mailbox money and the four hour work week and hanging on the beach and watching the rents trickle into your bank account. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the technology and, you know, the, um, the detailed accounting that you have access to, 
I mean, in my opinion, that's as passive as it gets. You get to review, you know, how the portfolio performance is going. You get to see where your maintenance is going and what what the income is and the gross and the net and everything else. And then you can have those questions. You'd be like, wait, hold on. So what did we spend on, et cetera? So sure, you still have to manage your manager. But at the end of the day, you're managing it from a spreadsheet, right? You're managing it from your cell phone and it may be on the on the beach, right? Yeah, that, that's called working on your business, not working in your business. And that's mm-hmm. what everyone, that's where everyone wants to be, right? At some point where you're, you're doing the management reporting and the management review and the, uh, the analysis of your portfolio from a high level. And you're making the decision that because of these excellent results, you want to buy more, right? Or because of these less than excellent results, because sometimes like, that's the case, you want to sell and lock in some gains on your asset value. These are wonderful, empowered places to be. You can pick up the phone and call your property manager and you can ask, why on earth are we spending well ahead of expectations on maintenance? You know, that's, that's an empowering conversation to have because then you can really dig in with a team member on understanding that instead of like, it's all my fault. My vendors are too expensive. I'm not being considerate of lease uh, obligations. And, you know, talk about a wonderful management place to be able to be in. So there's truly there's truly great value in this relationship. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, two final things for me come to mind in regard to this. Number one is eyes on your property. Um, not sure where your properties are located. If they're not in your same neighborhood or they're not right around the corner, how often are you seeing your property? Uh, that's what property managers do for you, right? We put our eyes on your property on a regular basis. And there's no more effective tool in management than to put your eyes on the property. Um, we're putting our eyes on it theoretically every day as we look at some of the reporting metrics that come in, as we review work orders, as we review rent due and things like that. But we actually physically drive to your property and we look at it. We also have a system where we request tenants to send us photos of the property on a regular basis. And so through the tenants' photos and through our eyes actually being on the property, we have found that's the best way to protect your asset. And asset preservation is key to long-term value in real estate. Um, and the other thing I want to touch on real quick um, is about the reporting and accounting that, that Donnie and Peter were just talking about. If you haven't experienced this yet, as you grow your real estate portfolio, one of your most significant costs every year is going to be your tax preparation. If you're not a CPA, uh, you're going to have to hire one probably to do your return as it gets more complicated. And the reporting that is done by a professional property manager pretty much enables you to walk into your CPA with that report and let them immediately file your return. Um, We can produce Schedule E's for you. We can produce detailed reporting that CPAs want to see in order to effectively and efficiently file a tax return for you. And that saves the CPA time that you're paying for. If you walk in there with an Excel spreadsheet or receipts from Home Depot and you dump a shoebox full of that stuff on your CPA, it's going to be dozens of hours that they spend deciphering all of that to figure out how to file your tax return. And that is very expensive. So if you haven't experienced that yet, you will at some point. And it's just one more thing that we do for you as a property manager to help you save time and money 
and to help you be more efficient and more effective in your investing in real estate. Yeah, Donnie, can I, can I finish up my comments with a kind of a story? I have, uh, we recently took over a small property uh, for a client. And after many years of self-management, this client decided to give a professional property manager a shot. And one of the things that we saw when we took over this property was massively under market rents. And so in addition to being in a market where rent rates are increasing at upwards of 24% a year, this particular owner had just massaged his rents the tiniest amount year over year for the last 10 or so years. And so he found himself behind market rent rates by almost 50%. He was about half of where he could have been. He really had no awareness of this because as far as he could tell, each year he was renewing his rents at a small rent rate increase and he felt pretty good about himself. But the market had left him way behind. And now he's found himself in a position where he's so far behind on his rent prices that there's almost no feasible way to catch up without major vacancies. You can't go to renters who are paying $500 a month and tell them this next month it's going to be $1,000 a month. That's usually a different demographic of renter. And so it results in you having to give that tenant notice and replace them with a new renter. So that's kind of a horror story of what it can, what it can be like to manage a property without good current information. If you're a landlord and you're not using best practices, you know, now is the time to make the decision to use a professional property manager because there comes a point where if you do make the decision to go that route or to start managing your own portfolio professionally, that there's so much work that you've got to do that it's really going to put you in a bind from a vacancy standpoint or a maintenance standpoint for a long time. So, man, my advice to you guys out there who are considering this is do it sooner and not later. That way you don't find yourself so far behind that it's almost impossible to catch up. It's true. It's true. I think um, I appreciate that we were using the word asset. You know, I think um, property managers, yeah, they get labeled property managers. But the reality is if you are in this um, and for profit, then that property is not property anymore is an asset and it, and it produces income. The, the richest people in the world, the 1%, you know, they, they have all of these assets and they hand them to asset managers. And then those managers, they take those assets and they make them perform. Right. So they act in a defensive way. They don't want to lose the capital of, you know, their clients, but they also make sure that they perform. So I think we did a really good job today explaining that, you know, your asset, which is very valuable and it can create generational wealth for you. And it's something that you can pass on very easily to your children or hang on to it or sell it and, and move to uh, Boca Raton, whatever you want to do. It's, it's obviously very important. It's a, it's an incredible asset and you don't want <laughs> to put your asset in jeopardy over a 6% on your bottom line every month. I think being able to hire somebody that's professionally doing it boots on the ground you know, full time that has their eyes and ears on the market from a defensive standpoint to not lose that asset to begin with and from um, an offensive standpoint to be able to grow and nurture that investment, um, I think is incredibly valuable, well worth over the 6% that you'd be paying. So thank you. Great advice. Yeah. Real (laughs) estate is not for your Robin Hood account. It's for a professional manager. That's right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I mean, I got a lot of value out of this. I'm sure the audience will as well. And great. Okay. Uh,
All right. Till next time, guys. Y'all have a great day. All right. Hey there, it's Peter Murphy with Buying Tampa Bay. Are you an investor who has ever wanted to own real estate in Tampa Bay? Or do you currently have real estate and want to grow your portfolio at a few new investment properties? Or maybe you just need some awesome property management to de-stress your life. Well, here's what I've found. HomeProp is hands down the best real estate investment brokerage in Tampa Bay. And they can help you build wealth in real estate, which is right in line with our podcast mission to build wealth in real estate and not just wealth as in dollars and cents, but in the quality of your life, the quality of your community, and just enriching uh, enriching what exists around you. So you want to learn more? Click on the link to HomeProp in the podcast description and give them a shot.